Hi, today is Thursday, February 9th, and welcome to the 5-Minute Check-In. Well, there's not much big news in COVID these days, so that's going to give me the opportunity to really jump right into our subject, which is the concept of behavioral economics, or nudges as it's called, and how it's so important in healthcare these days to help us adopt evidence-based practices in a more rapid fashion. So to help us with this discussion today, we have two very special guests. We have Dr. Sophia Richardson, assistant professor and researcher at NYU, and also our own Dr. Ankara Sagar, the vice president for clinical standards. So now on to our special guest to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, which is behavioral economics. I think of it as a way to introduce evidence into the point of care, which was really exciting. And I've published and written in this space with these two colleagues, which is, makes it really exciting. So thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Great. So why don't we just start off with some context? Like what is behavioral economics and nudging? I love that term. And, and Sophia, give us, give us a broad you know, discussion. What, what is this? Um, and, and how do you explain this for clinicians? The concept can be a little confusing. I think a really classic example of this is opt-out options for organ donation consent, where everyone is presumed to be a donor, but can easily check a box to opt out. And that typically leads to much higher levels of enrollment mm -hmm. um, compared to requiring people to check a box to opt in. So an right. example that's similar to that in healthcare really is defaulting actually to generic prescribing options for medications. And the concept of nudging comes from the field of behavioral economics. Behavioral economics recognizes the limitations of classical economics, which assumes that human beings always make rational choices and good decisions, and really studies the effects of psychological, social, and emotional factors on the decisions of individuals. Nudges are used to influence behavior at a largely unconscious level, like the defaults that I was telling you about. One definition is positive reinforcement and indirect suggestions, which have a non-forced effect on decision-making. Mm -hmm. So these types of nudges, defaults, and social appear comparison nudges have become increasingly common in healthcare. Great. Well, thanks for that summary. Why don't we go right to an example? Ankara, there was a great publication in JAMA mm -hmm. looking at you know, the uptick of appropriate statin prescribing, and there were nudges for patients and doctors. Tell, what was the study? And tell us the results. Sure. So it was a cluster randomized control trial across 28 sites. What that means is 150 clinicians, so physicians, APPs, and about 4,000 patients. They were looking to see how many times, based on the nudges, a statin was prescribed during the visit for primary prevention. And they were a couple of options. Either the patient received a text message, so a nudge prior to the visit, the clinician received an EMR prompt, um, or the combination of the two. What they found was the combination of both the patient receiving a text message and the EMR prompt was most effective by increasing statin prescribing appropriately by 15%, which is tremendous. That's a huge impact on a lot of people. So it's the kind of double nudge. The patient got a nudge and the provider got a nudge and that together really did an uptick. Um, Sophia, you published uh, a lot of articles actually in the area of CT scan ordering in the ER for pulmonary embolus. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that work and, and, and how you were so successful in that space? Yeah, so in a recent study that, uh, that we did actually at Northwell Health, we wanted to look at the effects of nudges on the adoption of a clinical decision support tool. So the tool was designed to support 
the pretest probability assessment of pulmonary embolism in the emergency department. So physicians and APPs ordering a CTPA for PE were shown a clinical decision support tool if the patient well score was low. So we calculated the well score in the background using patient data from the EHR and the health information exchange. So one ED was shown the tool without any, nud any nudges. One ED was shown the tool with nudges. And let's zoom in on the nudge at the top of the user interface. It was actually a peer comparison or social comparison nudge was included at the top of the tool's user interface. The provider's uh, individual CT hit rate or the percent of all the tests they order for pulmonary embolism that are positive pulmonary embolism is shown in comparison to other providers in their department. The thing I really like about this study actually was that we actually gave the providers peer comparison information right at the time of decision making. Mm -hmm. During the study period, there are almost 2000 patient encounters and adoption rates were significantly higher in the emergency department that received the tool with the nudge. So about 46% compared to 23%. Interesting. And so in this space, you're trying to educate doctors and APPs about the pretest probability and using that to reduce unnecessary CT scan ordering, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. trying to point out the patients that you can get away with a D-dimer instead of a CAT scan. Interesting. So high adoption. So let, let's close out with a little view to the future. Um, Sophia, why don't you go first? What, what, what's happening in this space, uh, behavioral economics and nudging uh, as we go forward here? Yes, this is a great question. Nudging really has become increasingly popular in healthcare. And I think as we begin to use these tools more and more, I think it'll be important for us to assess the impact they have on provider cognitive load and burnout. Mm. So I suspect that nudges like defaults are probably better for provider well-being than social comparison nudges. Got it. Yeah, big issue right now. So any, any reduction in burden is a good thing. Uh, Ankita, what's happening at Common Spirit? Any thoughts on, on what we might be doing in that space? Absolutely. So we're looking at nudging both on the patient side and the physician APP side for cancer screening so that we can improve our closure of gaps when patients come in for visits, but also so that we can make sure that any inequities we might be missing are addressed at the time of visit. And we really do think that the sweet spot is going to be nudges on both sides, the patients prior to the visit and then during the visit for the clinician. Who knew we'd be studying the science of nudging, right? It's a great thing. I love it. And thank you both for your work you're doing in this space. It's so interesting. And thanks for joining me. Finally, earlier this month, we celebrated National Women Physician Day. And I would like to just take a moment and share how grateful I am for the many women mentors, leaders, and colleagues who've had a positive influence on me throughout my entire career, as our two speakers today have. I also want to just thank all of the women physicians across Common Spirit for all you do day in and day out for our patients, our communities, and healthcare. So thank you. February is Heart Health Month. And if you haven't seen it already, please check out our Grand Rounds that was recently recorded on the intersection of maternal health and cardiovascular disease. You can view the recording by clicking this QR code on the screen and link to the video. So thanks for joining me, and I'll see you in two weeks at the next 5-Minute Check-In.